Hey everyone, we are back with another episode of Founder Journey. Today we've got uh, Tosin Ugenyemi. Yes, please. Did I pronounce it right? Uh, again, my ADD and dyslexia doesn't allow me to pronounce people's names properly, but Tosin uh, has been with Launch uh, as, a, as a Maple company for quite a few couple of years now. Yes. Uh, with a company called Pay My Rent. Tell us, what is Pay My Rent? First of all, welcome to Canada. Welcome yes. to uh, Launch. Uh, you've been here for nine months now, so I, yes. I guess I gotta stop saying welcome to Canada. It's like, <laughs> you're already here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, t tell us about uh, Pay My Rent. Yeah, so first of all, let me say thank you for having us in the Launch Academy. It's been a very good journey with you guys. And um, the landing process has been very fantastic. The landing process has been very fantastic uh, with the Launch Academy team. Again, Pay My Rent, tell us about it, but you've also got co-founders. Tell us a little bit about co-founders. Yeah, so for Pay My Rent, um, because we are from the Nigerian origin, I'll tell you the background of Pay My Rent. So in Africa and in Nigeria specifically, we pay house rent on a yearly basis. So what that means is that if your house rent is um, $2,000, you are going to be paying $24,000 upfront. upfront. Yeah, so it's not as if you are going to be paying on a monthly basis. And we discovered that um, salaries, income is earned on a monthly basis. So this became an instant gap for employees who earn salaries on a monthly basis but have to pay their house rents on a yearly basis. Yeah. And so we came up with what could be like the possible solution for us to fill in the gap. What year was this? Uh, that was 2017. Yeah. So we came up with a product called Pay My Rent, which allows people to save towards their house rents. So what that does is that once you know that your house rent is $24,000, you just have to save like maybe $2,000 per month uh, towards your next rent. And then once it's completed, you pay your landlord. Or if it's not complete, pay my rent helps you to augment with the balance to pay your landlord. Thus keeping every family together, keeping the home intact and ensuring that everybody pays their rent when due. And then landlords love us. So it's, it's saving for next year's rent. Yes. So uh, putting some discipline in place, putting a process so they can the, the, they get their salary and they can put the uh, uh, savings aside to make sure that it's there when yeah. it's needed next year. Yeah, so like apparently like discipline is not there in Africa for savings. And um, what we've created was we know that individuals when they end their salary, they are not going to do a transfer to the platform. So we created an automated system where immediately your salary is paid, the payment platform enters your account, picks your savings and saves it. And then you are not able to access that funds to your next rent date. So you as a client connect your pay my rent account to your bank account and pay my rent already has uh, the parameters of I need to save 2000 or yeah. 3000. Yes. Um, and it automatically deducts it out of your bank oh. account and puts it into the savings. Exactly. And the, the good thing about it is that you are not able to access that funds till the withdrawal date. So what we've seen over the time past, when we tried in 2017, you could actually withdraw anytime. And we saw that 80% to 85% of people that were saving were coming back to withdraw. Yeah. So we are basically not solving the problem. They see, hey, so, there's yeah. a, so I, we, I love those new Jordans are out. I'm going to go <laughs> <laughs> take some money and go buy the Jordans first. Instantly. So we put a restriction to that, that once you save on pay my rent, you can assess that funds to your withdrawal dates. And then the numbers of savers grew because of that policy because we created the discipline. So I see that there's huge value for um, the up and coming working class because yeah. I guess that financial literacy education was not there when they were growing up. And yeah. so this is all new e economy that uh, requires this. But what's your business model? How does pay my rent make money? 
Yeah, so uh, the fantastic business model is that don't forget that like um, for us, a lot of people are keeping good funds with us because house rent in Nigeria too is quite expensive. It's like Vancouver when you compare the markets. Uh, so $24,000 times, let's say, 10,000 users is a lot of money. It's a lot of funds that's been kept with us. So what we've done is that we've partnered with commercial banks who, for instance, we give the savers like... Um, 7% and then we've negotiated 10% interest with commercial banks. So we make a markup from the fixed deposits. Okay. And do the banks access that capital to go make their bank loans and, and run their operations? Exactly. Uh, but it, because with a registered bank, it's it's secured. Yes. Yep. 100%. Uh, so it's innovative. And so that was 2017. It's now right. 2023. It's six years later. How has uh, payment rent grown? What's, what's the current status of the business? So uh, the first year, I think we had just uh, 500 users uh, using the platform. And then right now we've grown the platform to like uh, 46,000 active users that have used us. Uh, as of today, we have like 25,000 people active on the platform using the platform to save on a daily basis. So these 25,000 people, they've been with us for like two years. So it's been a consistent journey and um, well, one thing with us is that we are not basically hoping that everybody uses us 100% or every time. What we've done is that we help you build a savings culture. The moment you feel that you've built a very good savings culture, you can use your commercial bank to save. But a lot of people do not have a good savings culture, and that's what we've helped them to build. So once you feel that, oh, I've used payment to save, and I understand the savings journey, and I'm now good with financial literacy, you can then start saving on your own. So that sounds like a really, really valuable platform for the individuals. Uh, I can see how you guys make money, but how's the current economic landscape change, changes in the landscape affecting you? Uh, everybody's having problems paying my rent right now yeah. with the uh, interest rates going up, mortgage rates going up. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current status uh, in Canada and Nigeria or other parts of the world with uh, interest rates? Yeah. So like, uh, that's very good. Uh, one of the shocking things we got when we landed in Canada, and I think that's one of the things we learned with Maple Program, like landing in Canada. So when, land, when we landed, we wanted to replicate the whole payment rent process, like copy and paste into the Canadian market. But you know, when we met you guys, you guys explained to us on um, how to understand the market and when we did our market survey and everything. So we saw like... Uh, in Nigeria, right, you you basically spend all your money. So everything you spend, you want to buy a house, you pay it cash down. There is practically not a good mortgage system in place. But when we got here, we discovered that there's a good mortgage system in place. And then the problem is that a lot of people don't save here. A lot of people rely more on credit yep. as against savings. So uh, bringing payment as a savings platform towards our friends, and our friends is paid on a monthly basis right here, on like Africa that is paid on a yearly basis. So we saw that we needed to tweak the model. And what we basically just did was to tweak it into the mortgage system. So what Primary Canada is now doing is to allow people save towards their down payments to buy their house. Like the mortgage rates keeps going up or we've experienced it like, I think we've landed, we spent nine months and interest rate has gone up twice. Yeah. <laughs> and like conversing with people, we discover that like one of the major challenge a lot of people have here for first time home buyers is actually the first down payment because they are finding it very difficult to actually save towards that. 
So what we've building or what we are building in Primary Canada is to help people save towards their first down payment. And then even if they cannot match up with their down payment, so for instance, if your down payment is meant to be $50,000, all you need to do is to save $25,000. Primary will match it up for you. So we help you save $25,000 as well, and then you can do your down payment. So that's what we are helping people build in the Canadian market. So what we so we will look at it like this. In Africa, we help people save towards their house rent. But in Canada, we have people save towards their down payments to buy their first home. That sounds, again, a very valuable platform because I know people that are struggling to save. So say uh, they are trying to save 50000 for their first down payment, uh, but they come across an, a property or the market's dropping. Say, okay, well, that was a perfect time to get in, but yeah. I don't have 50000 yet. But if they were using pay my rent, they maybe they're at 30000 they can bridge that 20000 exactly. with pay my rent. The bank's not going to give that to you. No. no. Uh, but what are you seeing in terms of the, the global impact with the interest rates and, and just the state of the economy? Like, do you guys keep a pulse on what's happening uh, in the real estate industry? Yeah, so um, for African markets, the honest truth is that like um, a lot of people have made a lot of money from the real estate market. And then when we come to the Canadian market, we saw that like the real estate market is extremely huge, like it's big. And all you need to do is to actually understand the real estate market. So, for instance, I'll give you an instance. Uh, one of the people we recently financed um, from Nigeria, the new immigrants, he brought a lot of cash to the Canadian market and he wanted to assess mortgage. And what we told him was that just if you have the funds, pay up. And then the guy paid up for his first mortgage for the first property 100%. And instantly was able to assess another mortgage on that same house. Mm -hmm. And the first thing we try to tell immigrants or new people in Canada is like, understand the real estate market, understand what you are paying in interest rate, in mortgage and the likes. And because the Canadian market, for instance, most of the time you pay interest, is your interest that goes down and not your principal element. So as much as possible, I always tell people that try to pay more of the principal so that your monthly repayment is actually bringing down your principal element as against mm -hmm. the interest. And for new immigrants, sorry, I'm talking more about new immigrants. No, no, that's, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but right? because it's the market we understand and the market we pay because they are the ones that will actually go for new time, first time home buyers. But then we always tell them that like, the first journey when you enter the Canadian market is not, I want to buy a house. It's to actually understand that what is your income? But if you buy the house, what is going to be your monthly repayments? What is going to be your mortgage repayments? And if interest should go up, especially if you go for the flat rate or the uh, flexible rate, if you go for flexible rate and interest should go up, that simple interest rate going up can affect a lot of things. It can mess up your financials. So we always encourage people, we do a lot of financial education to, to tell people that, see, when you're buying a home in Canada, you have to understand like what the interest rate is. Interest rate can go up. In Africa, for instance, in Nigeria, interest rate is fixed. If the bank gives you a particular mortgage, or if you are able to assess mortgage at 15%, it's 15% forever. For the term for of the, the mortgage. Of the mortgage. It doesn't yeah. go up, it doesn't come down. But yeah, in Canada. Yeah, flexible they, mortgage rates. Yeah, and, we've seen flexible yeah. mortgage rates. So I want our audience to understand, um, let's, let's go back to the Nigerian market. Real estate's yeah. a, a touchy subject no matter where you are in the world, but a lot of Canadians, in particular people in Vancouver, don't really understand how different the real estate sector is in other parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, and 
in Canada, we get really dependent on credit and mortgages and, and uh, it becomes like a vicious cycle. Um, but Nigeria is very different, but even Africa is different. Like a, a lot of people lump, Oh, Nigeria is Africa. It's like, no, Africa is a beast of a, of a, yeah. of a, uh, 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 continent and there's so many different countries within it and they're all very different dynamics. So maybe we can shift away, not specifically about real estate, but just being a entrepreneur in Nigeria and then maybe your perspective on Africa as a, as a, as a nation, or sorry, as a, as a continent. Continent, yeah. So uh, the thing about uh, why most people feel like Africa is Nigeria is because of our population. Mm -hmm. And then we are a very brilliant set of people. So if you talk about the tech world, for instance, you see that most of the unicorns that have come from Africa, a lot of them are from Nigeria. Yeah. And then after Nigeria, I want to talk about Kenya. Yeah. But for Nigeria, like a lot of attention is on Nigeria because like that is where when you build a product, we have the number. Nigeria is eating almost 300 million in population. So what that means is that even if you are, if you are playing the payment space, you just need 10% or 1% of that market space to use you. If you are playing in any space, you only need 1% of that market to play. So if you go to Ghana, for instance, that is like, let's say 35,000, 35 million in population, you need to gain almost like 10% or 15% of the market share to actually get 1% of Nigeria market share. So that is why a lot of attention is actually on Nigeria. But Nigeria is like not the only place that this is actually happening. The population is working for us, uh, but you have like Kenya that the tech space is, is fantastic. So in whole, like I see that Africa is actually brazing up. Before there was no VC investment coming to Africa. But in the last five years, we've seen a lot of money coming to Africa. Yeah. It, it, 20 years ago, all eyes were just on South Africa. Yeah. And again... For the audience, a lot of the uneducated South Africa is just a country in the <laughs> continent of Africa. But uh, Nigeria in the last 10 years has been just really pushing, pushing yeah. a lot of fintech in particular, uh, which is driving a lot of capital into investment, yeah. uh, a lot of economic stimulus. The country is, is the cities are, are being built up and more development. But other countries are now on the heels of Nigeria, Kenya being one of them. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the future of Africa? So, like, if you notice, like, uh, what is happening, like, in, um, let's say, China, where they have their own version of WhatsApp. Uh, for Africa, we don't have that yet, but it's still going to happen. Where, like, uh, the, the tech space in Africa is still less than, like, 10 years. So, you're seeing, like, uh, companies trying to build their own African products. Uh, for instance, I'll give you an instance. There was a time that Skype was banned in, uh, was it Skype? Twitter was banned Twitter. in Africa. Right. And the federal government of Nigeria wanted to build their own Twitter, but it couldn't work because we are still new. We are still young in the tech space. But in another 20 years, it's going to be a different ballgame where you now have the African version of Twitter. For instance, if you talk about dating app, Tinder is like the world dating app. Yeah. But Africa now has their own dating app and that is working. So in another 20 years, you are going to see like um, competing global brands that are uh, Competing with like the known brands that we know. Yeah. Like. So a lot of global eyes on the African market. Yeah. They're going to try to build versions of their existing products for that market. But homegrown alternatives homegrown, are going to yeah. come up. And uh, two kids sitting in Nigeria uh, playing after, after college, um, trying to figure out what they want to do and come up with an app, app idea. 
that is possible now. Whereas yeah, very possible. 10 years ago, that was not as, as uh, realistic. Right? So 10 years ago, it was all about go to school, get a job, and that's it. But now, like, parents are now embracing the fact that um, their child could be at home coding. Yeah. So every parent is now looking for the next. <laughs> they want their own uh, uh, millionaire son that's going to, exactly. or daughter that's going to help them. Uh, <laughs> so if you tell your parents retire. right now that I want to be a developer, it's fine. Yeah. But before, it wasn't fine. During my time, like after secondary school, it has to be university. There's no conversation about it. But right now, my younger brother can say, I'm not going to university. I just want to code. And it's fine. Yeah. It's acceptable yeah. now. It's acceptable it's, now. It's, yeah. It is a viable path. Yeah. Um, I want to move this along. The, the, the podcast is called Founder Journey. So I want to talk about the founders and oh. the journey. Uh, quickly, who are the co-founders of Para Rent? And then let's get into what got you here um, as your own journey. Yeah. So first is like, I started paying my rent as a sole founder. And then along the journey, I met um, a guy called Abel that has built a, an e-commerce space, an e-commerce company that failed. And then I met him in a business conference and we were discussing and he told me about his uh, journey, failing in a startup and how he sold the startup eventually. And I saw synergy in the products and I was like, oh, there's something I've been working on. I'm building pay my rent. I've been seeing good traction. The market is accepting it. If you're willing to come on board, yeah, there's a space for you. And then we had Abel join us as a CTO. And then he moved to the operations aspect of the company. And then because um, for what we build is all about helping people to build their savings culture, right? The customer service aspect of it is very, very key because mm -hmm. you are basically enlightening people on a daily basis on how to save, why not to assess the money, how to keep it so that they can keep their families together, pay their landlord when it is due. And um, apparently I worked with um, a company that was Shivinik invested into, um, Southside Technologies. And one of the persons in customer service was Offeray, and she did fantastically well. So I was part of the management team. She was also in the management team. So when I left to build pay my rent, after like a year, I just called her and I said, babe, <laughs> I'm building something. You need to come on board. And then that's how Offeray came on board. So you knew she was a perfect fit. Yeah, she was just the perfect fit for that because we've worked together. Hello, fellow tech startup founders. I just want to quickly interrupt this episode to tell you about us at Launch. If you're looking for a community to help you take your business to the next level, consider joining our Launchpad program. As a member, you'll get access to investor connections, programming, workshops, mentorship, and over $400,000 worth of perks. Also, don't forget to check out our other podcasts, Launch AMA and Bits and Bytes, for expert advice and stories from the tech community in Vancouver and around the world. Visit launchacademy.ca to learn more and start building your dream business today. That's launchacademy.ca. Let me take a moment to shout out our longtime sponsor, Smythe. They are a leading independent VC-based accounting firm specializing in providing financial services and consulting for tech companies across North America. Smythe has supported our program and our alumni throughout their early growth stages by helping them structure and set up their businesses, all the way to helping more established businesses with cross-border operations and M&A. They combine industry knowledge with a proactive, collaborative approach, empowering you to make more informed decisions as your business grows. So if you're looking for a trusted partner to help you drive your business to success, reach out to one of our Launch Academy's longtime mentors, Camelia Ho, for more information about how Smythe can support your growth. You can find Camelia's information on Smythe's website at smythecpa.com. That's S-M-Y-T-H-E-C-P-A.com, along with more information about the various industries they support and the services they provide. 
That's awesome. And and uh, it it really is a journey to yeah. bring co-founders together. Uh, but what got you to that point where you started Pay My Rent? What, what was the, what's the origin story of Tosin? Tosin? Yeah, so the, the, the Pay My Rent journey started in the year when I couldn't pay my house rent. And um, I didn't have savings. And the notion is that, like, um, when you earn on a monthly basis, you try as much as possible to hustle and bustle. Then mm. when your house rent is due, let's say, next month, maybe you now start hustling for the funds. And most of the time, you don't get it. And then you have issues with your landlord, you get quick notice, and then you are out of the house, and then you are looking for the next rent, for the next apartment. However, the journey, the interesting thing is that in Africa, you actually pay 10% agency and 10% legal of whatever amount you are paying for the house. So what that means is that you are paying a house of $50,000 per year, apart from paying the $50,000 upfront, you still pay 5% for agency, which is $5,000, and then you pay another 5% for legal. Which is, is that for when you find a new place or every year that you're renting? When you find a new place. Okay. So, so if, if you get kicked out, then it's even worse. Again. Yeah, yeah, it gets worse. Yeah. So I was in that shoes and I'm like, no, it's better to actually save towards the next rent so mm -hmm. that I don't this doesn't occur again. And then when I was looking for the platform to use to save, there was none. So I was restricted to like my bank account to use my bank account to save. And I know that I don't have discipline about that. I can't put money today and then there's an, an emergency tomorrow, an emergency expense tomorrow. I'm going to go to, I'll go to the money and spend it. I'll spend it. So I started building that product out of urgency that there was no place for me to actually use to save towards my house rent. And then I was like, if I had that problem, then a lot of people had that same problem. And then I started building. That's awesome. And uh, obviously there's a lot of ups and downs in that journey that we don't really talk about. Uh, but I want to kind of get your pulse on being an entrepreneur in wow. Nigeria, being an entrepreneur in Africa. What was that journey like? So the... The, you know, when we started Pimarent, the funding space has not been there. The VC funds wasn't there. So it was basically bootstrapping. And I always tell people that when you bootstrap is you learn a lot because you don't have options. You don't have investment. You don't have investors funds to run to. You are basically running from what you have, the income you make, but your brain must be very smart to bootstrap. Uh, so when we started Pimarent, uh, one of the bad things that always happens is that like there are times that... Um, you have funding gap. Funding gap means the salaries to be paid. The bank has not paid. You know, you only make a margin from the interest rate. The mm -hmm. bank has not paid the margin. And then you have salaries to pay. In between, at the early stage, it was like a bit challenging because even the funds we were taking to bank yeah. was not a lot. Your own cash flow is an because issue, right? The cash yeah. flow wasn't good. But um, we were able to surpass that after like nine months of operations. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the journey for bootstrapping is way difficult is very challenging, especially when the government does not support um, SMEs. Yeah. Like, and in Africa, or let me say in Nigeria, uh, the support is not as strong as you expect, as at then. Maybe now it's becoming better, but as at then, the support wasn't there. But even like brick and mortar, let alone tech startup, right? At least at the brick and mortar, the government can say, okay, well, we might support you because we see there's value yeah. in the real estate or the inventory that you're bringing in, coming yeah. in with a tech startup where it's all just... Smoke and mirrors in terms of it's yeah, just the, code, right? You know that for even tech startups, like the first challenge is that they don't even understand what you're doing. Government cannot see because it's it's not physical. Yeah. It's not an asset that they can touch. They cannot feel it. Uh, and then if you are not the tech 
founder another problem because you have to pay heavily for the tech. Uh, so like it was all the challenges at the early stage, but you discover that like it's only tech that can give you 10x. It's only tech that can take you from point zero to point ten, yeah. which has happened on pay my rent. And it has been, for instance, uh, Launch Academy is not going to bring us to Canada because we have an hotel in Nigeria. They were actually they were interested or they are only interested because wow, this is a fantastic tech product that can do X Y Z. Like so, that is why like for me, tech is like everything right now. It is. It is yeah. future. It is. Uh, it's what's going to transform. Africa. I know Africa yeah. as, as a continent has been raped and pillaged for re natural resources. Um, that's not going to change. Yeah. Let's just face it. But uh, there is the ability to elevate the population out of poverty with tech. Yeah. And, and again, payment rent is a perfect example of something that's putting in the discipline and the resources that the people need to help them become more uh, successful and uh, established. Okay. Now, six years later, from when you started to where you are now, you're now in Canada. What's what's the Canadian experience been like like for you from a founder's perspective? Yeah, so like uh, when we landed here, I think the only difference is um, licensing that you need in Canada. So unlike Nigeria, like you can have this idea and then you can eat the ground running the next day. But like for yeah, like you need to be sure you need the licenses. You have to, for instance, you spent nine months, and then I think our first license just came out. And then we are looking for the next license because we are trying to get a credit union license mm -hmm. to power like the savings platform for towards down payment. Uh, we've applied for that. That is in process. And like, but you can't do much till like you get the license to operate because even whoever you're talking to, the first question is like, you have a license to operate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, Canada, notoriously banking system is is very walled off yeah. they, they have this whole notion of open banking they're, yeah. they're trying to launch this but it keeps getting delayed for mysterious reasons <laughs> they're never really transparent on why they keep delaying it but it is uh, a stranglehold that the yeah. big banks have on um, the, the industry yeah, yeah. Uh, but so that that's the operational side of the business trying to get it up and off the ground but what else are you experiencing as a founder here in canada so uh, another thing we are experiencing that is good is that the market is willing to accept like um, anything tech, anything that the the idea is noble. So we've reached, we've gotten companies just reached out to us normally to say, oh, we read about you, we saw your interview, and what you are building is fantastic. How can we support? Like so, like every company here is willing to support. There's a very good arm of fellowship. People are willing to support the business, help the business, and support the founder because I think here yeah, they understand that like being a founder is not easy. So they are willing to support in whichever way they can on like um, the market we are coming from. So we are seeing that difference. And then the second thing is that like, yeah, you have access to credits. So like you can say, oh, we want to build these and then there's credit facility there for you to try to build. Unlike in Nigerian markets, we don't have that. So what I've seen is that this, there's a lot of enabling markets the, the market is enabling founders, is supporting founders, which is like one of the things founders basically need at the early stage in any market. So the Canadian market, so far so good. They've been very supportive to us. Yeah. So they're definitely very supportive of, of, of what you're building. What's the response being in regards to, hey, I'm a Nigerian company that's now in Canada. I'm a Nigerian entrepreneur. My business has a strong presence back in Nigeria. 
what's been the appetite or interest for people to get involved with pay my rent for the Nigerian business? Are people interested in that market? Are people looking to get exposure to Nigeria? Hmm. So because of our kind of business um, is tilted, the Canadian entity is tilted to the Canadian market. Yeah. The Nigerian entity is tilted to the Canadian market. So we've basically not seen, uh, while we are still in Nigeria, we saw, um, for instance, Canadians trying to save in the Nigerian market. And then that became a problem because um, at the point of withdrawal, it's going to be a problem for them. For them to get their money back. To get their money yeah. back. So we had to shut down that products. So when we came here, we've done a test run and we've seen that, yeah, there's actually a market there. People mm -hmm. really want to save. People don't want to 100% depend on credits. People still want to save their own money. So we've seen that there's a product here and then uh, we are aggressively building that product. So aggressively building for down payment towards their mortgage, uh, their down payment to buy their first home and also to save towards whatever. It yeah. might not now be house rent or something. Um, so we've seen that like um, savings is universal, whether it is African market or the Canadian market, people really want to save. But here is more of a credit society or even being a credit society. For me, for instance, like I save a lot. I now save a lot. So I try as much as possible. I don't want to rely on my Canadian bank account to save because I can still go there to withdraw it anytime. So like I'm still willing, I'm still using the pay my rent platform to actually save in the Canadian market. Yeah. And, but from a perspective of like, whether it's investors or other non-customers, not, not, not customers yeah. of pay my rent, but other people in the ecosystem around you in Canada, yeah. are they showing interest in Nigeria and, and that market? Yeah. So like a lot of investors love the Nigerian market, but they don't understand the Nigerian market. And then at the early stage, when VCs opened the Nigerian market, let's say nine years ago, 10 years ago, the first set of investment that went to Africa went bad because it was not ripe. For yeah. instance, as at that time, we didn't even have internet penetration. It was maybe like 10%. Right now, it's at like maybe like um, 80%. So the market has grown. But at the early stage, for instance, e-commerce, everybody that pumped money into e-commerce at, at that time. They all lost. They because lost they, the they just saw the, the sheer number of people. And, yeah. and one plus one is like, hey, that's a lot of customers. Let's go do e-commerce. But they don't realize the tech pe penetration, the mobile penetration was not was there. very low, exactly. So that affected us at, at that time. And then an investor that has gotten bond once is skeptical to come back. Yeah. But right now they are seeing that, oh, the Nigerian market is actually ripe. The African market is ripe. They are willing to come back. And uh, we've seen a lot of VCs, a lot of investors actually going back to the African market. But now they are focusing more on the fintech platforms as against any other because that's where they've seen other people making money. Exactly. And so it's like, I want to yeah. get back and make some money in there now. Exactly. Um, and you still have operations in Nigeria. How has been the um, remote work <laughs> situation for you? Managing a, a team remotely from Canada, uh, time differences, and, and there's also now different cultural differences with yeah. the team in, in Nigeria and a team that you're building here in Canada. How are you navigating that? Yeah, so uh, I think one of the things that really worked for us was covid so immediately COVID happened, we've been working remotely and then we practically didn't go back to the office. So because like we've been used to the remote working environment mm -hmm. and um, so even when we moved to Canada, when the founders moved to Canada, everybody was still fine. The only difference now is the time zone that we have to wake up to do meetings and all. And then working remotely has also 
allow the team in itself to expand. So we have like some of our teams that are now in UK, some in Canada, some in the US, but we are still connected working. So yeah, because uh, COVID actually helped us to know that, oh, it's possible. And then we've just adopted remote work from, from that time. So for you as a founder, are you making that sacrifice with the time difference? Are you getting up late at night or early in the morning or late at night? Ray, to do you the calls? To understand, like, <laughs> practically, I'm awake every Nigerian time. So I work with Nigerian time and I work with the Canadian time. Yeah. So right now, it's still the sacrifice for the founders. Like, because you have to keep up with your team in Africa, in Nigeria. You're also keeping up with the team here in Canada. So we are practically working with the two time zones. Oh, that's the founders. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the thing that we signed up for as founders, yeah. right? You well, got to accept that. I say, yeah, I'm doing my dues. <laughs> uh, I do want to kind of wrap this up with talking about, um, uh, we, we talked about the taboo topics, things that uh, we wish more founders talked about. Um, there obviously are challenges being an entrepreneur and a founder. What are your parting advice or parting thoughts for our audience about uh, the journey of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the things, so if you want to go through the um, um, spiritual way, you have uh, pastors talking about, um, you have a book called God's General that explained every pastor and how they failed, right? You also, I think in the tech space or in the founder's journey, we also want to see founder's book or like a founder's general where it has explained how founders actually rose to the top and fail. So that it helps like, new founders and uh, ongoing founders like us to understand that, oh, you don't want to run a company like this or you don't want to make the mistake like this, especially like, how do you even find a co-founder? When do you even yeah. dissolve this co-foundership thing? Because sometimes it's like a marriage that needs to be dissolved. Like, but most people, you just hear that, oh, that company has gone down. Please, what's, what led to this company going down? What, what actually happened? Like most of those news, you don't find it outside there. And then you just get like um, a lot of news media just saying, oh, this is what happened, this is what happened. But the founders don't actually come out to tell you that this is what actually happened in yeah. the company. I think it's also point to say like the company fails and you hear, oh, well, they picked themselves back up yeah. and they did this and XYZ. made this pivot and now it's success. Yeah. But to your point, they don't talk about, well, what led to that failure? Yeah. But again, from my perspective, it's also, okay, well, you picked yourself up, but how? How did you pick yourself up? What did you go through to motivate yourself to, to get right back in and exactly. get more beats on your head as a founder? Because it's still uh, a journey. And, yeah. and I think it's more also about the PR because a lot of companies that you know that you're still going to pick up yourself, you don't want to put out the bad news yep. that, oh, this is what happened. This, uh, the founder stole money and that's why the company was going down. You wouldn't want to put out that. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes it's PR sake that, but we need to talk about it because it's the things that, so if I know that, if I take XYZ from the company, it's likely to shut down the company because Ray did it and the company shut down. I would not want to try that. But if Ray did not even come out to say, oh, this is what I did that was wrong or I had an affair with a staff and then it boomeranged, you know, founders should come out more so that we can discuss about it. And I think that's what you guys do with Founders Connect or the events that, um, Launch Academy does, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's one of the sayings I keep saying is misery loves company. <laughs> we as founders are very miserable, yeah. but we, and, and no other founder can really understand the trouble and challenges that you're going through yeah. other than other founders. Sure. Um, so I appreciate you 
sharing you, that insight. And I think uh, more people t- talking about their journey is, is what's most important. So thank you for sharing yours with us, Tosin. Thank you, Launch, for having us. This has been fantastic. This has been great. Uh, so for our audience, how can they find more about Pay My Rent? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so for the Nigerian market, you pay my rent.ng and then we are launching the um, Canadian market in another two months, paymyrent.ca. .ca. Yeah. So, and that's waiting on these banking licenses. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so knock on wood, two months, it's going to be up and running. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Ray. Thank you, Launch Academic. Hey there, fellow tech startup founders. This episode of Founder Journey was brought to you by Launch Academy. If you're looking for a community that can help you take your business to the next level, look no further than our Launchpad program. As a Launchpad member, you'll have access to everything you need to succeed, including investor connections, year-round programming, workshops, offline socials, mentorship office hours, and over $400,000 worth of perks. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale, we have the resources and support you need to achieve your goals. But that's not all. At Launch Academy, we also have two amazing podcasts that you can check out, Launch AMA and Bits and Bytes. At Launch AMA, we bring in industry experts to answer your burning questions about entrepreneurship, fundraising, marketing, and more. It's a great way to stay on top of the latest trends and learn from those who have been there before. And on Bits and Bytes, we highlight the tech community of Vancouver, sharing stories of innovation and success from people who are driving the industry forward. It's a great way to stay informed about the local tech scene and connect with other like-minded individuals. So why wait? Join Launchpad today and start building the business of your dreams. Visit launchacademy.ca to learn more about our programs and how we can help you achieve your goals. And don't forget to tune into Launch AMA and Bits and Bytes for even more great content. Visit launchacademy.ca.